Chapter 19 A Test of Faith May 2nd, 148 Festive Lane, 10 a.m. As Sharon drove up to the front of the house and parked across the street, she noticed Michael's red pickup truck was parked in the driveway. A smile came to her face as she pulled down the visor and checked her makeup in the vanity mirror. As she opened the car door and placed her long, bare legs on the street, several male workers at the job site couldn't help but notice her allure. Sharon exited the car, grabbed her briefcase from the back seat, and strolled toward the house, like a peacock performing a mating dance. Her sensuality was ever-present and turned the head of every man within view. She greeted many of them by name. Morning, Joe. How are you doing, Kenny? Beautiful day, isn't it, Bob? She said as she strolled through the house's front door. The men acknowledged her greeting. A few added come-on phrases such as, Looking good today, Sharon, and Hey, if those legs were any longer, we wouldn't need ladders around here. Sharon just smiled, for she knew she was beautiful. She could lure almost any man into her lair, but her sights were set on a challenging man who ignored her advances. Michael was leaning over a work table covered with blueprints in the middle of the dining room. Sharon walked up behind him and purposely rubbed her briefcase across Michael's right leg as he talked with the electrical contractor. Morning, Michael. Did your appointment go well yesterday? She asked as she set her case on the floor and took a seat on a sawhorse a few feet away. Michael, startled by the brush against his leg, turned swiftly. Oh, hello, Sharon. Yes, my appointment went just fine. Sharon crossed her bare legs and let her high-heeled shoe dangle off her toes on her right foot. I have some fantastic ideas for you, Michael. The electrical contractor replied under his breath to Michael, I bet she does. Michael dismissed the man's comment. That's great. I would like to talk about what you have in mind. Maybe we can sit down in about an hour or so. I have to meet with the HVAC contractor in a few minutes, but I'm all yours after that. That'll be just fine, Michael. I'll go up to the main bedroom and start laying out my notes and drawings. Come up when you are finished down here, she said. Sharon slid off the sawhorse and picked up her briefcase. She walked out of the dining room, through the foyer, and started up the stairs. Two workers, carrying an interior six-panel door, couldn't help but notice her ascending the staircase. As they walked, they watched Sharon as she slowly climbed the stairs. One man said to the other, Is she wearing anything under that skirt? I don't think so, replied the other man. The two men were not watching where they were walking, and ran the door they were carrying right through one of the front-entry sidelight windows. Everyone within the sound of shattering glass stopped to see what had happened. Sharon nonchalantly continued up the stairs and giggled to herself, knowing all too well that her presence was the cause of the mishap. What are you guys doing? Michael yelled. Look what you did. That sidelight is part of the entire entryway, connecting the door and the other window. The whole thing has to be replaced now. Sorry, Mr. Carter. The door we were carrying got away from us. We'll pay for the replacement answered one of the men, who was too embarrassed to say why they ran into the sidelight. Michael calmed himself and exhaled. It's a 
Okay, just be careful and watch where you are going next time. Michael turned back to the work table and continued his conversation with the electrical contractor. As Michael and the contractor discussed additional outlets and ceiling fans for the bedrooms upstairs, another man entered the room and asked, Is Michael Carter here? Michael turned and answered, I'm Michael Carter, can I help you? Hi, Mr. Carter, I'm Steve, the HVAC contractor. I'm here to install the furnace, replied the man. Michael just stared at the man for a moment and then replied, The furnace? The man looked back at Michael. Yeah, the big thing that sits in the basement and heats the house is the furnace. Yes, I know what it is. I just didn't think that you would install it today. Don't you have to finish running the basement ductwork first? Yeah, but that will only take a few hours. I should have the whole system installed and operational by about four this afternoon. You want to show me where you want it? Steve asked. Still uncomfortable with anything to do with a furnace, Michael reluctantly led the man to the basement area. The stairs aren't in yet, so you will have to slide the unit down a couple of ladders. Is that okay? Yeah, sure, no problem, Mr. Carter, he replied as he looked around. Hey, this is going to be a gorgeous place. I heard that the family that once lived on this site was killed in a fire. That's a shame. I have twenty-five years of experience installing furnaces and air units. You don't have to worry about anything going wrong with the work I provide, Mr. Carter. I'm glad to hear that, Steve. Do you need me for anything else? Michael asked. Just need to look at the prints to verify the positioning he replied. Michael walked the man back over to the work table in the dining room and gave him a set of prints for the heating and venting system as designed by the architect. Michael stood silently as he recalled the day the old furnace exploded and killed everyone in the home. He tried to shake off the feeling and redirect his attention elsewhere. At that moment, a workman walked by. Hey, Michael, some lady is waiting for you upstairs. Sharon, I forgot all about her. Uh, thanks, Rudy, Michael replied. Michael walked through the foyer and ran up the stairs. As he reached the top of the stairs, he started to call out Sharon's name. Sharon, where are you? I'm in the main bedroom, Michael, she replied. Michael walked down the hall to the last room. He reached the main bedroom and pulled back the white sheet tacked to the exterior molding to keep out plaster dust. Sharon was lying on the floor looking at some sketches laid out in front of her. Lying on her stomach, she had removed her shoes and her legs were lifted behind her with her toes pointing toward the ceiling. Michael was in awe of her beautiful physique as he walked into the room and addressed her. Sorry about the delay. I had to take care of a few things downstairs, he said. Don't be silly, Michael. I know you are busy. Come here and sit beside me. I'll show you what I have in mind for this room, she replied. Michael took a seat on the floor alongside Sharon and listened as she made her decorating suggestions. As she talked, she kept tangling her legs within Michael's view. He was finding it difficult to concentrate on her recommendations. She went on and on about window treatments with matching bedspreads and pillow shams and how the wallpaper's colors would accent the treatments. Michael nodded his head and tried to listen intently. Now that you agree with the color scheme and treatments I've selected, what about the furnishings for this room? 
I was thinking of a large king-size four-poster bed made of solid mahogany or cherry wood, matching dressers and a tall boy. What do you think about that, Michael? she asked. Michael could think of nothing else except the image in Sharon's mind lying on the bed that she had just described. He was once again caught off guard. Um, I think that sounds great. Ariana always loved Victorian-style furniture. She would like that type of bed. Ariana, your wife? Sharon asked. Yes, she loves Victorian-style furnishings. Sharon pushed herself off the floor into a sitting position, with her legs swung around to the side of her body. Michael, I realize that you're not ready to start dating yet, and that's understandable. It's been less than a year since you lost your wife. But you have to stop referring to her in the present tense. She is gone, Michael. She's not coming back. You have to get on with your life, Sharon said. Michael smiled at Sharon, and she thought he was genuinely smiling at her when, in fact, Michael was smiling because... In his heart and soul, he knew that Ariana would be back in his arms at Christmas. That's it, Michael. Relax and smile. This is a new beginning for you. You are a young man and can start all over again. You will find another Ariana, I promise you will. You deserve a woman with a heart of gold, someone who will take care of your every need and be your best friend. Sharon said convincingly. Well, having only met me a few days ago, you know me pretty well. That is exactly the type of woman that I adore, someone just like Ariana. Or someone just like me, Michael, replied Sharon, as she leaned forward and gently kissed Michael on the mouth. Michael was surprised by her gesture and found himself kissing her back, it had been a long time since he felt the tenderness of a woman's touch. He realized he was aroused by the contact and broke off the kiss. He stood up quickly. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. I am still very much in love with my wife and I can't do this. I have to go. Great ideas. Buy whatever you need and give me the bill. I need to get out of here. Michael, wait. Why are you so scared of feeling good? Don't you like me? Don't you find me attractive? Oh, yes. I think you are very attractive, too attractive. That's the problem, replied Michael. The problem? Being attracted to someone is a problem? I'm confused, said Sharon. It's a problem when you are in love with someone else. I'm sorry, Sharon. Michael, life is for the living. You will be reunited with Ariana years from now when you die at a ripe old age, if you believe in that kind of stuff. You can be faithful to her for the rest of eternity, but don't waste the rest of your life being true to a soul that has passed. She is no longer a part of your physical life, Sharon said. You know who you would have been perfect for? <laughs> My Uncle Wally. He had the same philosophy. He should be visiting me this Christmas, I hope. Michael said. Well, I would love to meet him and exchange our ideas on sex and friendship, she replied facetiously. Oh, no, you can't meet him. He's been dead for twenty years. You're not allowed to see him, replied Michael. I thought you said he was coming to visit you at Christmas. How is that possible if he is dead? Michael struggled to make sense of his strange comments. I meant his spirit always touches my heart around Christmas time. 
he was my favorite uncle. Sharon stood up and looked at Michael. Are you okay? You say and do the strangest things sometimes. I think I could be standing here stark naked, begging you to make love to me, and you would leave the room. Michael, do you realize how many men would jump at the chance to be with me? She asked. Do you realize how many men have never found the love of their life and have no idea how special that is? Michael replied. I can understand your position, Michael. I guess we will just have to be friends, if that's okay with you. That is just great with me, Sharon. I appreciate your friendship, but that's all it will ever be. I guess I will have to live with that. Okay, how about this? Next week, Tuesday, the stores are open late. Why don't you meet me and go shopping for furniture, and then we'll catch a bite to eat, just as friends and business associates. What do you think about that, Michael? I think that's a good idea. Listen, I really do have to get going. Lots to do around here, as you can see. Thanks for being so understanding. Thanks for being a friend, Michael said as he hugged Sharon lightly and exited the bedroom. As Sharon stood in the room alone and looked at the drawings lying on the floor, she thought, I have blown this opportunity. I just move too fast. I have to slow down. The faster I move and the harder I try, the more he runs in the opposite direction. I will be the perfectly well-behaved friend for the next few weeks. Then I will get him over to my apartment and seduce him into jelly. He won't be able to resist my advances then. A little wine, some soft music, a sexy nightgown, a massage. <clears throat> you won't get away this easy, Michael Carter. You will be in my arms sooner or later. Come Christmas Eve, you will be sitting in front of a cozy fire staring into my eyes. You will have forgotten all about Ariana and your Uncle Wally. You will see and think of only me. The following Tuesday, 9.30 p.m. Michael and Sharon had been shopping for furnishings for the new house at 148 Festive Lane since around 5 p.m. Sharon was on her best behavior the entire evening. Michael was feeling entirely at ease with Sharon. He thought she was just a friend. After stopping at several furniture stores and ordering the numerous furniture pieces for the house, Michael suggested that they stop to get a bite to eat. Sharon was in complete agreement since neither of them had eaten since early that morning. The waitress approached their table as they finished eating at a small coffee shop. More coffee? asked the waitress. No, thank you, just the check, please, replied Michael. The waitress reached into the pocket of her apron and produced the check. She placed the tab on the table and bid the couple a pleasant evening. Sharon put her coffee cup back on its saucer and yawned as she stretched her arms above her head. Tired. It's been a long day, hasn't it? Yes, I'm exhausted. Nothing a nice hot bath wouldn't fix, though, she replied. Speaking of hot baths, I'm going to have a jacuzzi installed at the house out on the deck overlooking the backyard. Uh, it would be nice to come home after a hard day's work, especially in the winter. Oh, I love hot tubs. I was on vacation once in Colorado. This hotel had a hot tub located in the woods. It was an excellent setting. You could sit in the hot water and watch the snow evaporate before your eyes as it fell from the sky and into the steamy water. It was so relaxing.
well, I'm going to build a sunroom over the jacuzzi at the house. That way, it will be totally private, and you won't have to worry about wearing a bathing suit to go in. At this hotel in Colorado, you didn't wear a bathing suit either. What did you do, run naked from your hotel room to the hot tub? No, silly. You wore a robe and slippers. It was freezing, and you were freezing until you got into the hot water. I went to the hot tub late one night, and an older woman was the only other person there. I slipped off my robe and threw it on the side of the deck, the hot tub, and slid into the water. I was so relaxed I almost dozed off. The older woman must have left when I was so peaceful that I didn't even notice she was gone. My skin was starting to get wrinkled, so I decided I'd better get out of the tub. When I realized my robe was gone... The old woman must have picked it up by mistake, thinking it was a towel or something. Oh no, what did you do? Well, I didn't have much choice. Luckily it was dark outside, so I made a mad dash for the villa I stayed in. I was so embarrassed, yet excited, running naked through the snow right out in the open. Guess I am a bit of an exhibitionist. I was freezing by the time I finally reached the door to my villa. I sighed with relief that no one saw me. Then I realized the key to my door was still in my robe pocket. Oh, so then, what did you do? I didn't want to run to the hotel lobby and make a grand entrance, so I knocked on the villa door that was next to mine. Luckily, a woman was staying there and not a man. She let me inside and gave me her robe. I explained my situation, and she let me use her phone to call the front desk to have another key brought to me. That's a great story. Did you ever see the woman again? He asked as he sipped the last of his coffee from his cup. I saw her when I was checking out. She just waved and said, Nice to have seen you. See you is right. Boy, what a situation. But, as you said, it could have been worse if a man had answered the door to that villa next door. Then again, what if it was a handsome man? That might have been okay, knowing you. No way, Michael. I am very particular about the men I want to share my life. Contrary to what you may think, I am not a promiscuous woman. I'm sorry, I didn't mean it like that. I was just pulling your leg. It's getting late. We better call it a night. Are you ready to go? Yes, I am. Do you want me to leave a tip for the waitress? No, I got it covered. They slid out of the booth they were sitting at and walked toward the door. So, you want to come over to my place and fool around? Sharon asked. Michael looked dumbfounded. I was only kidding, Michael. Michael started to laugh and realized she was just getting back at him for the promiscuous remark. You scared me there for a second, Sharon. Michael, we agreed that we would just be friends. I respect that decision. Now, drive me back to the house so I can get my car and we'll call it a night. Sharon had been dressing down since she decided to back off from her direct approach with Michael. This evening she wore jeans, a turtleneck sweater, a pair of flats, and her winter coat, nothing flashy or sexy. Michael was dressed in his usual attire of a lumberjack shirt, jeans, and work boots. Michael was never much of a snazzy dresser, but an attractive man nonetheless. As Michael pulled out of the restaurant parking lot, he talked with Sharon. You know, I am delighted I've spent some time with you, Sharon. 
I know we are just friends, and that's all we will ever be, but it's nice to talk to a female once in a while. Guys don't talk. I can spend an entire evening with a couple of guys and not say a word. We just grunt and swear a lot. At the end of the night, we say goodnight, and that's it. Guys are strange. That's the understatement of the year. I have observed my brother and his friends when they're shooting pool or bowling or other stupid male bonding rituals. They say maybe ten words all night to each other, and those words include, Nice shot, want another beer, and look at the butt on that one, she replied. That's actually twelve words. Your brother must have a pretty extensive vocabulary. Seriously, Michael, I am always available to talk with if you ever feel the need. Sometimes it is easier to talk to a woman. Guess that's because we are so much more intelligent than men. Okay, let's not get into which gender is more intelligent or we will be here all night, he said as he pulled in front of the house on Festive Lane next to Sharon's car. That is a discussion for another time. Thanks for dinner, Michael. I had a really nice time. And thank you for helping me select the furniture for the house. I like what we decided on. You have a great eye for style. Sharon leaned over and kissed Michael on the cheek very innocently. Good night, Michael. I'll be around later this week. Can you wait until I get into my car? I am always a gentleman. I would have waited even if you hadn't asked me to. Michael put the truck into park and waited to hear Sharon's car start up. Sharon turned the key in the ignition and heard nothing but a click. Michael heard the same click. Sounds like you have a dead battery. Pop the hood, he said to Sharon, still sitting inside the car. As she turned the key, Michael again heard nothing but a click. There was not enough juice from the battery to power the radio, much less turn over the engine. It's dead. I'll get the jumper cables out of my truck. Michael went to the back of his truck and looked for the jumper cables. Um, I thought they were here just yesterday. Maybe I took them out for something. Do you have jumper cables? I seem to have misplaced mine. Sharon got out of the car and slammed the door shut. No, I don't have any cables. This stupid car. Well, nothing we can do tonight. Come on, I'll give you a lift home. They both jumped back into the truck, and he turned the truck around to take Sharon home. I am so sorry about this, Michael. I guess I need a new battery for that stupid car. Don't worry about it, Sharon. I'll pick up a new battery tomorrow and install it for you. It's no big deal. Where do you live? I live on the north side of Evanston. I hope I'm not taking you too far out of your way. Not at all. It's on my way home. I have an apartment on the east side of Evanston. As Michael drove Sharon home, they talked about cars and batteries, just basic small talk to discuss during the short drive to Evanston. A few minutes later, Michael pulled up in front of Sharon's apartment. There you go, right to your door. Sharon pulled some money out of her purse and handed it to Michael. Hey, I'm no taxi service. There is no charge for this ride. This money is for the new battery you will pick up for me tomorrow, not the ride home, Michael. Oh, yeah, sure, I knew that. I will be without a car until you install the new battery, so can you call me when it's ready and I'll take a cab to the house? Don't be silly. I will come pick you up. But I do need keys to your car to pop the hood from the inside. Oh, I have an extra set in my apartment. Why don't you come up with me and I'll give them to you? Why don't you just give me the set on your key ring? 
Getting keys on and off this ring is hard on the fingernails. Come on up. It will only take a second. Michael agreed to accompany Sharon up to her apartment to retrieve the spare set of car keys. As they walked to the common entry door for the building, Sharon smiled and thought, This worked out just as planned.